From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. The American Academy of Pediatrics president-elect, Dr. Sarah Goza, is back at her practice in Georgia after visiting the U.S.-Mexico border and examining detention facilities where migrant children are held. The Fayetteville pediatrician and incoming president of the American Academy of Pediatrics joins us now on the line to tell us what and who she saw there. Good morning. Good morning. Dr. Goza, why did you visit the border now? The American Academy of Pediatrics has been concerned about what's happening at our border since about 2014 and have been urging uh, our government to do better down there. And we have been asking to tour the Custom and Border facilities for about the last three years and have been um, had things set up and then they were all, most of the time canceled. So this was the first time we had been in in quite a few years. And this was a, a visit that was arranged when former Commissioner McAlini was in charge of Custom and Border Patrol with our our current past president, Colleen Kraft, and he had offered to, to have her tour the facilities. And so it happened to be on my watch and our current president, Kyle Yusuda's watch, that it was arranged, and that's how we ended up there at this point in time. So you, t- you toured two facilities where U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, CBP, by the way, people right. know it as, are holding children. Can you bring us to that moment when you first entered your first impressions? When we first entered, we, we were in a little ante room and they offered us masks to wear um, because there's some flu there and um, we all refused. We said we're pediatricians, we're exposed to this every day. And when we they opened the door for us to go in, the first thing that hit me was the smell. Hmm. And it was a smell of urine, sweat, and, and feces all just kind of combined together. And as we walked into the first room, which is a series of 12 cells, I heard rustling to my left, and I looked over there, and it was a sea of silver. It was all the Mylar blankets, and there were young boys in there, the unaccompanied boys, and they were silent. There was not really any talking going on, and their faces were just flat. There was really no affect to them. And as we went into the bigger facility, it had the big four quadrants of the cages, as I call them, with the guard towers. Wait, you have to uh, stop. Cages. It's fencing. It's fencing that's just fenced out, and it's a concrete floor with mats and mylar blankets in there. And the and the the, immig- the immigrant, the children and the families and the adults are in there, and they're divided by unaccompanied boys, unaccompanied girls, family units with the mothers and family units with the fathers. Mm. And um, it, what really hit us there was that the everybody in there had almost bloodshot eyes, and they were bulging or what I used to call bug eyes. They were just wide open just from the stress of everything. Like, what's going to happen next? And the lights are on 24-7 for safety reasons, but they get no sense of day or night. It's just 24-7 light and just no expressions to their faces, just this flat affect. Were were there any interactions with the children or with the families? Um, I actually did have an interaction with a little boy who probably looked about nine or ten and he had a, a something up, up next to his eyes where he was pushing really hard and another boy was trying to comfort him so I walked over to the edge of the fence and a Custom and Border Patrol officer came came up to where I was. I, I kind of deviated from the tour a little bit and um, he interpreted for me. I said, can you ask him why he's crying? And uh, he did and the little boy said he had been with his father but his father had been taken away to court that morning, I think, 
and they had moved him from the family unit area over to the unaccompanied minor area. And before his father left, because they didn't know what was going to happen, he gave the little boy a piece of paper with his aunt's name and phone number on it so that he would have somebody to go to in the States. Mm-hmm. And in the process of moving from one area to the next, the little boy had lost the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And he was he was devastated. He was terrified. He had no idea what he was going to do. That was the one thing his father had told him not to do. And uh, he he was terrified, and I felt helpless because there was nothing I could do to say it's going to be okay. Mm. Did you meet any pediatricians who were working in the facilities? We did not see any pediatricians in the facilities. Um, we saw the the people that are working there, the loyal source people who are nurses and nurse practitioners and PAs, um, and they may have some medical people there, but there were no pediatricians anywhere in any, either of the two facilities we went to. Now, I'm told that a social worker there showed you drawings by children who had been held in detention, later released. The the drawings were when we we saw the drawings when we went to the respite center, where the people, when they're released from Custom and Border Patrol, a lot of them are taken to the respite center to get hygiene products, new clothes, food, and they're able to make their arrangements to get to their final destinations at the bus stop. What did you see in the drawings? So the drawings were of three 10- and 11-year-olds, um, we did not meet these children. The the uh, lady at the respite center, the volunteer at the respite center, had them, um, and they she had, had these canvases because this was her multi. She had been at the respite center volunteering many times, and she brought markers and canvases and asked them to draw what it was like in the Custom and Border Patrol facilities. And that's what the drawings were. And they were all of cages, and there were people in in two of the three of them, and there were guards and towers. There was not a smile. Really, no facial expressions, even in the drawings. Mm. So, uh, uh, images of being clearly—I mean, I've looked at the drawings. They're just lines up and down. I mean, they're—they're they're just bars. They're yeah, they're cages. I'm speaking with Dr. Sarah Goza. She's a Fayetteville native. She's been a pediatrician in her hometown for more than 30 years and was recently elected president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She's back in Georgia after visiting facilities where migrant children are being held at the U.S.-Mexico border. Well, the CBP does say that it is just overrun with the volume of children. Uh, Are officials trained to take care of children? Did you see any evidence of that? So as a pediatrician, first and foremost, I want to say that custom and border facilities are no place for any child. And and we as as a nation need to do make urgent changes so that that does not continue to happen, that they're there for as short of a time as they can be. And we need pediatricians in these facilities to make sure that children are being taken care of correctly and appropriately. So I, custom and border patrol are law enforcement. They are not pediatricians. They are not child care providers. And so... We truly believe keeping these children in these facilities for as short of a time as possible is the best thing we can do, and we do need pediatricians there, and we need humanitarian care being given. And there is a bill in the uh, House in D.C., the Ruiz bill, that would actually recommend do a lot of those things. It would give pediatricians unfettered access to these facilities. It would um, help give more humanitarian care and give the people the basics of the things that they need. The DHS, for their part, a senior health official, not on the record, by the way, uh, because they were not authorized to speak, 
um, did tell CNN that a border agent or law enforcement official administers a health questionnaire to every migrant, including how they're feeling, if they're taking any medications, if they have any symptoms of communicable diseases, such as mumps or the flu. What would you recommend as a more thorough or rigorous intake experience? So what we know is that children are not little adults. And so sometimes the symptoms that children have before they become very, very ill are very subtle. And so pediatricians are very well trained to look at a child and realize if they're healthy, if they're a little bit sick, or if they're a lot sick. And I do this every day in my office. You know, that's what we were trained to do. And so that's why we feel like that there should be somebody in pediatric experience looking at these children as they're coming through these facilities that knows those subtle changes. Because sometimes if you ask on a questionnaire, you don't necessarily get the right answer. And if you can look at these children and tell that they're, you know, tell that they're healthy or sick, then you're going to be much better off, which is where pediatric training and pediatric experience and expertise comes in. Well, your organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, is on record as saying, just as you said, children should not be detained. Would you characterize these conditions as traumatic or, or these children as being exposed to trauma? Being in, a, in detention or in one of these facilities is definitely stressful. And it's, it's very stressful in many levels. They're, the lights are on 24-7. They're sleeping on cold floors. They sometimes, you know, are separated from their, the caregivers, the family that they came with. And so all of those things are things that we call adverse childhood events or experiences, which contribute to what we, what we call stress or toxic stress in children, which can change the architecture of children's brains. And so, we need to decrease that stress load on these children so that they do not have long-term consequences. And we are concerned about the long-term consequences that we are causing in these children. Well, you are in a powerful position as the recently elected president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Among your stated priorities, vaccination, gun safety, reducing poverty. Just want to tie a thread here with immigration. There are a lot of people who oppose immigration because they suspect immigrants carry disease. Now we know from now a thousand reported cases of measles across the country and six here in Georgia that the measles outbreaks begin with children who whose parents are skeptical or oppose vaccinating their children. So from a public health perspective, which is of a greater concern to you, migrant children getting shots or children in America getting shots? Really and truly, we need to keep at least 90 to 95% of our children in the United States vaccinated. That will help prevent disease. Uh, Migrant children or immigrant children actually get vaccines when they come into this country. Um, if if they if the unaccompanied children go to the um, ORR facilities, they are caught up to date on their vaccines. Most of the children, a lot of the children, come with vaccine records that they've already been vaccinated in their home country. So, um, it really and truly, we just need to make sure that all children, no matter where they come from, whether they were born here or come here from somewhere else, that we have at least 95% coverage of vaccines in most in every area, so that we can have that public health. Um, buffer, the, as we call the herd immunity. Meaning uh, that, that enough people in the herd are vaccinated Correct. that the disease Correct. doesn't spread. Another one of your top priorities, reducing poverty. Now, Fayetteville, where you practice, about half an hour south of Atlanta Airport, 
Um, in that same county of Peachtree City, where median household income, there's more insured people, lower rate of disability and poverty than many other places in the in the state. How does that contrast reveal itself in your work? I actually work in our Fayetteville office, and I see patients from um, all of the South Metro area counties, from South Fulton County, Clayton County, Henry County, Spalding County, Pike County, um, even some from Troop County. So I actually have a much broader um, draw than just Fayette County. And so I do see the effects of poverty in my office every day. Um, and it's it's pretty heart-wrenching when you see these children who you know will have a harder time than other children to succeed in this world. It's very sad. I have a pediatrician friend who says that he can tell if a child's going to succeed in life by the zip code they're born into. Mm. And I have promised that, that will, we will make a change or help make a change, start the change, so that he will have to eat those words someday. Well, let's hope that's true. Um, and what is your what what do you would you say is your first priority as the incoming president of the American Association of Pediatrics? There are a lot of priorities. That's the hard part is knowing which one is going to be my my first priority. I I do believe that we have to address poverty. We have to address bias and discrimination that's tearing our country apart. And we have to address the immigration issues. That what's happening to our children at, the, to children at the border and access to care. And to me, those are all a continuum of the same thing. What if somebody said to you, you know, you're the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Are these children our children? So we are the American Academy of Pediatrics because of where we're based, but we are dedicated to the health and well-being of all children. They are all our children. Dr. Goza, thank you so much and congratulations on your new well, position. Thank you. Thank you. Fayetteville native Dr. Sarah Goza, president elect of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Stay with us. There's more on Second Thought coming up after a short break. 